a few years ago, I started seeing a Christian counselor, a therapist for the first time. And I, I started, I've seen him once a month now. I've done this for many years now. And I remember my first meeting with this counselor. And I was really nervous because, you know, I mean, I, maybe it's a stereotypical thing, but as a guy, you know, it can be really nerve-wracking to enter into therapy. You know, it's just not, I don't talk about, my, I was, you know, I grew up, you don't talk about your feelings, you just, you know, break things, you know. And I, I didn't, I, I, I was like, I don't know how I feel about going to therapy and counselor. And, and so I was nervous, I was a little insecure, I didn't know what to expect. And we, I meet my counselor over Zoom every, every month because he lives in Colorado. And I remember our first meeting, um, we begin the meeting, and he takes a candle that looks very similar to this one right here, and he lifts it up on the Zoom screen, and he says, Will, this is our Christ candle. And he takes a lighter, and he lifted it up on the screen, and then he put it down on his desk, and you could see the glimmer of it coming up on the screen. And he said, Will, this flame is here to remind us that Jesus is with us, that he is guiding our conversation, and he wants to shine through our lives. And he said, let's begin with a time of silence where we can reflect on that. And I'll be honest, at first, I felt pretty weird. I was like, nobody told me about candles and silence, and I was like, man, this wasn't, I hired you to help me solve my problems, not to make me feel uncomfortable and awkward. But nevertheless, he has persisted this practice every single month for years. And he's at the beginning of every one of our meetings together, he says, this is the Christ candle. He said, this flame is here to remind us that Jesus is with us. He is guiding this conversation, and he wants to shine through your life, Will. And it was strange to me at first, but I've actually come to really love this little practice, so much so that I've bought my own candle that sits on my desk at the office and I light it during other parts of my day when I need to be reminded that God's presence is with me and that he is guiding my life and that he wants to shine through me. That, that little flame on my desk, it reminds me of those things. And the truth is, we all need that reminder, don't we? Uh, we all need the reminder that God is with us and that he is guiding us and that he wants to shine through our lives. And we need that reminder over and over again. And that's why I think our text today will be of great benefit to all of us gathered here today. You see, we've been studying the gospel of John for several months now. And today we are looking at John chapter 8, verse 12, just one verse. And it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths uh, or the Feast of Shelters. Your Bible may say different things, but he was at this feast in Jerusalem. That, this is when he says to the crowds, if anyone is thirsty, let them, him come to me and drink, for out of, their, out of me will flow rivers of living water. And the Feast of Tabernacles, we said this a few weeks ago, was a week-long celebration where the people of Israel, they remembered 
The purpose of the celebration was to remember. It was to commemorate and to remember how God had provided for their ancestors in the wilderness after they had been delivered from slavery in Egypt and while they were still journeying to the promised land uh, in the wilderness. And so God provided water while they were in the wilderness. You know, through Moses striking a rock, he provided water for them every day in the wilderness. And so at the Feast of Tabernacles, they had this ritual every morning where they would pour out water on the temple steps to remind themselves that God provides. He provided water in the desert. And they did this ritual every single morning. But there was another ritual they did. I didn't mention this two weeks ago. I withheld it so there could be a punch in this week's sermon. But there was another ritual they did in the evenings. Uh, during this week-long feast. So in the morning, you had the ritual to, to commemorate that God provide, provided water, and he provides. The evening ritual, however, was to remember that God's presence is with his people and that God guides his people through the wilderness. And so the people of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they learned a lot of things. But perhaps the most important lesson that they learned while wandering in the wilderness from slavery to the promised land was they learned that they were never alone. And they learned that God was always with them. Exodus 13, 21 tells us one of the primary ways that God demonstrated his presence to his people. Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before his people by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So think about this. Every day as God's people are wandering through the wilderness in a dry and difficult, you know, desert, if they ever, I mean, think about it. If they ever had a moment out in the wilderness where they questioned whether or not God was with them, if they ever had a moment where they questioned whether or not God was for them and whether or not he was guiding them or if he was on their side or if he had abandoned them on their own, if they ever had a moment where they questioned these things, they could look up and they would see his light above them in a pillar of fire. And the light reminded them that God was always with them. They had assurance that God was always there and was always guiding them, and his presence was always leading to the land of promise. The light of God in the wilderness for God's people gave the people of Israel comfort, it gave them direction, it gave them security, and it gave them hope during the midst of a very dry and desolate season of their lives. Hope that God would always be with them and hope that he would lead them home. And so centuries later, the people of Israel, they're in another wilderness season. They were being oppressed by the Roman Empire, and they needed hope. They needed comfort. They needed assurance that God had not forgotten them and that he would still guide them. So what did they do? They remembered how did they remember? Through the festival of tabernacles. And they, what they did at the festival was they all came together, they all celebrated, and they all looked back on God's faithfulness to their ancestors in the wilderness so that they could look forward with hope that God would be faithful to them in the future and in the midst of their current trials. And they remembered this by celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. In the morning, they would pour out water, and they would remember that God is faithful to provide. In the evenings, they would remember God's faithfulness by giving his presence to them through the pillar of fire. And this is a good lesson for all of us, 
Because all of us, you know, if you think, I want to grow in my faith, or maybe you're thinking, how do I get through this dry spiritual season that I'm in? We all need practices and habits in our lives that help us remember God's provision and his presence. So some people journal so that they can look back on their journals and see a date and go, wow, God was faithful to me back in May of 2011. He'll be faithful to me today. Some people get tattoos. You know, they go through some really crazy season. They get a tattoo to commemorate something that they went through and God's faithfulness to them. Some people write songs. Some people have certain places that they go to. Some people mark certain dates on calendars and celebrate anniversaries. Some people have keepsakes that help them remember the times in their life where God provided and when God was near. Um, We all need tangible practices and symbols in our lives that can remind us that God is faithful. So just one example, I have a friend several years ago when I was in college, I had the privilege of leading one of my uh, track and cross-country teammates to faith. And I actually led them to faith while we were on a run together one evening. So we're jogging one night, and I, t- I asked the guy, I said, you know, hey, have you ever thought about Jesus? Have you, ever, have you ever considered Christ? And he was like, what are you talking about? And I, I shared with him the story and the message of the gospel, and he stopped in the middle of our run, and he said, man, I want to surrender my life to Christ. And it was this awesome moment. And then when we got done, I was like, all right, man, we got to finish our run. You know? And he stood up, he said, real quick, let me, I want to grab something to remember this moment. And he picked up a stick from the cross-country course. And he ran with it the rest of the way. You know, looked like an idiot. But he put it in his car. And a couple of years ago, I, I officiated his wedding. And before the wedding, he said, well, you know that stick that I picked up that night after you told me about Jesus? I said, yeah. He said, I've still got it. And so you think about it, he has this stick, I imagine it's on his dresser or his nightstand, and he's able to look at that stick, and it reminds him of the very moment when darkness parted and the light of Christ shined into his life and he gave his life to Jesus. That stick helps him remember. Because when you can remember and when you can look back on God's faithfulness, it will give you the strength and the hope to look forward and believe that God is the same today as he was yesterday. And listen, you got to understand this. The Jewish people were and are masters at remembering. They know how to celebrate and remember the faithfulness of God in their lives. And uh, that's what they did at the Feast of Tabernacles. They remembered God's provision, and they remembered God's presence. So if you look at this picture here with me, um, every evening in the temple, there were four giant, I don't even know what to call them, candelabras, lampstands, menorahs, whatever, and they were each 75 feet high. And every night, the priests, and think about it, this is the first century. I don't know how awesome the ladders were in, you know, 30 A.D., but can you can imagine a priest climbing up a 75-foot ladder and lighting these candelabras, and the light from these things would radiate throughout the entire city. The Mishnah, which is a collection of ancient Jewish writings, said that in this celebration, when the light would radiate from the temple, there would not be a single courtyard in Jerusalem that wasn't lit by the light of those candles. So I grew up, if you're wondering uh, where the accent is from, I grew up not far from Atlanta, Georgia. And I remember the 1996 Olympics. This was a big deal. 
And I remember the 1996 Olympic torch, and it lit up the whole city of Atlanta. And still to this day, if you drive down Interstate 75, you will see that tower. It, I mean, it just towers over the entire city, and you see it as you drive down the interstate. And it is a reminder that the whole world came to Atlanta in 1996 for the Olympics. And at this festival in Jerusalem, the people would look up at these massive torches that towered over the city, and it would be a reminder to them that God was with them and that God was with their ancestors in the wilderness season of their lives. And it, and it helped them not only remember that God was faithful, but that God was, was with them in the present. He was among them, and he was guiding them through, with his light. And they would see this light, and they would worship, and they would dance, and they would party. Remember a couple of weeks ago I said the Festival of Tabernacles was a big party, and I likened it to like Woodstock because they're all staying in tents. Think of this. When you get to this part of the night, it's like Burning Man, okay? So they got the big thing, flames, and they're all dancing, but appropriately, not Burning Man. You know, I've seen the documentaries, you know, but... Um, but they would see the light, and they would dance, and they would celebrate, and they would sing. And they were, in essence, saying to God, they were saying, God, we are depending on you to be with us and to guide us and to light our way and to give us security and to give us hope. And those candelabras would burn all evening, and they would dance, and they would sing, and they would party, and they would have fun. But eventually, those candelabras, the light would begin to go out. And as those candelabras were burning out at the end of the evening, and as the celebration was beginning to wane, this is when Jesus of Nazareth steps forward. And he says to the crowds, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So remember, at this time, the people, they weren't really sure who Jesus was. Was he a good teacher? Was he the Messiah? Was he the Son of God? Was he a, just some guy from Nazareth? Was he a lunatic? Should we have this guy killed or should we bow at his feet? These were the questions that they were asking of Jesus during this week in Jerusalem. And with this statement, Jesus is trying to clear up all confusion, and he is proclaiming who he really is. And he, in essence, says, the God of your ancestors, the God who was with your ancestors in the wilderness, that's me. I am the light of the world, Jesus is saying. I am God's presence among you. I have come to lead you into the land of promise. The one whom the prophet Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, that we read every Christmas when he says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. Jesus says, I'm that light. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter who you are this afternoon. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, whatever your religion is, whatever your beliefs are, whatever your political convictions are, there is no debate. There is no debate that there is darkness in this world. We may disagree on what darkness is and what it looks like, but there's no debate. You, there, no one would argue with you there is darkness in this world. 
Things are not the way they are supposed to be. We all agree with this. There's selfishness, there's corruption, there's greed, there's hatred, there's racism, there's misogyny, there's poverty, there's injustice, there's oppression, there's bullying, there's persecution. There is evil and there is sin in the world. There is bitterness and unforgiveness and betrayal. There is loneliness and despair and depression and suicide and anxiety and worry. There's disease, there's disabilities, and there's death. There is darkness in the world. We all agree with this. But the question for you is this, what are you trusting in to be the light? Because we all have to trust in something or else we'll lose all hope. What is it that you are trusting in to be the light amidst the darkness in your life? What is comforting you in the darkness? What guides you in the darkness? Well, Jesus says right here in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Earlier in chapter 1, he says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and cannot overcome it. Jesus makes two promises in this passage. He says, if you follow me, One, you will not walk in darkness. And two, you will have the light of life. Isn't that what you want? I mean, isn't that what you want? You want, like, I don't want to walk in darkness. And I want the light of life. This is what you want. And the truth is, listen, Jesus isn't making you walk in the dark, uh, walk in the light. If you want to walk in the darkness, you can. But you don't have to. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You can follow me into the light. So what are you trusting in to be light in the darkness? And do you believe that by following Jesus, you can step into the light? Now, there's three things that we learn, just basic Christian truths that we learn from this short passage. And the first is this. Jesus is with you. His presence is with you. I know that many of you this year, 2020, 2021, uh, many of you, it's been a hard year. And many of you have questioned your faith in God. Uh, Many of you have questioned whether Jesus is really present with you. More, you've probably asked these questions more in the past year than perhaps at any other time in your life. Is all of this real? Like, do I really believe this? Because you've all, we've all felt so much darkness in the last year. And it's easy to wonder if Jesus really is the light. And I want to speak over all of you who are here this afternoon and say that Jesus has not abandoned you. He is with you. He has not left you in the darkness. And you may feel like you're living in the shadows. And you're wondering, why does it feel like Jesus is not shining his light into the dark places of my life? But here's the thing about shadows. Shadows are not caused by the light. They're not caused by lack of light, and they're not caused by the light. They're caused when there is an obstruction to the light. What in your life is obstructing the light of God from shining into your life? See, if you're walking in darkness, you need to ask, what is it that is obstructing the light? What fears need to be removed? What habits need to be ceased? What circumstances in your life are getting in the way of you walking in the light? What circumstances and what habits in your life are keeping you in the shadows? 
I listened to one uh, teacher this week and a pastor of a church, and he talked about how he noticed that the first thing he did every morning, he did what most of us do. He said, the first thing I, did, I do every morning, he said, I grab my phone and I start scrolling. He said, it's news apps, you know, social media. He said, I noticed after a while, he said, that I would start my day in despair. He said, because the first thing I would do is I'd roll over, I, you know, wipe the sleeve from my eyes, grab the phone, let that blue light hit, you know, and he said, immediately I was looking at, you know, CNN and Fox News trying to get, you know, trying to get con contradictory opinions on the same set of circumstances. And uh, he said, I would, I would do social media. He said, I would do all these things. He said, and all they seemed to do was highlight the darkness in the world or highlight the darkness in my own life. And he said, I noticed these things were making me feel like I was starting my day in darkness. I was losing sight of the light. And he said, I was just starting my day in despair. And he, so he challenged himself and his family and his church. He said, church, let's start sitting with God. Let's make a commitment to sit with God before we scroll. He said, before we go to the dark, let's, sit a little, let's spend a little bit of time in the light. And I thought those were very wise words for those of us who can be overwhelmed by social media and news and all of the current events and everything. But I think those words also apply to other areas of our lives. Before we let our minds and our hearts and our hands go to the dark places, let's first sit in the light and see what the light has to say about those things before we begin to start moving toward the darkness. Because perhaps by sitting in the light, that'll shape the way we view the darkness. You know, when you feel like God has abandoned you, when you feel like he has stopped shining his light on you, it's that you have the, it, 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 often it's because you have things in your life that are obstructing the light and they are casting shadows over your life. But here's the promise of Jesus. Jesus says in the gospels, if you seek me, you will find me. You say, why is God hiding from you? If you seek him, you will find him. He is not hiding from you. He is with you. Just as he was with the people of Israel in the wilderness by a pillar of fire, Jesus is the light of the world, and he is with you. He has not abandoned you. And he promises that if you uh, follow him, you will not walk in darkness. Christ is with you, and Christ is with us. Can you imagine how the people of Israel felt in the darkness or in the wilderness? I mean, it was a harsh and difficult time. But they could always look up and know that God was with them by seeing his light. And that gave them comfort. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And we can always trust his words and know that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and he will never abandon us. He is the light of the world and he is with us. He's with you today. Second thing we learn from this passage is that Jesus will guide you. In the wilderness, not only did that pillar of fire remind the people of Israel that God was present with them, but it actually led them on the way to light, to on them on their way to the life that God had planned for them. That God had promised them. And if they ever questioned the people in the wilderness, if they ever said, Where are we going? And you know they asked this question. Where are we going? What direction should I walk? Where, where is God leading me? They could look up, see the light, and trust that if they followed the light, that God would lead them to the place he had prepared for them. 
And I love that in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, all my charismatics in the house were like, thank He's mentioning Acts chapter 2. We've been in the Gospels too long. We want to get to the Holy Spirit part. In Acts chapter 2, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit onto his followers at Pentecost, what did the Holy Spirit appear as? Somebody tell me, Pentecostal background people, what did the Holy Spirit appear as? Flames. It said it appeared as flames above the followers of Jesus' heads. And we're like, that is amazing. Flames. The same way that the pillar of fire guided the Israelites, the Holy Spirit is now guiding us. That image is not inconsequential. The image is that there, the Holy Spirit is now the light that is leading us in the same way that God in the pillar of fire led the people in the wilderness. And here's the truth. You have access to the Holy Spirit of God in your life if you are a follower of Jesus. You have access to the Spirit of God. But you don't have to live in darkness wondering, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? You have access to the Holy Spirit who has promised that he will lead you and he will guide you and he will show you the way to walk into the life that he has promised for you. And you're like, well, how in the world does that work? Because that sounds a little weird to me. Like, is it a feeling? Is it a tingling sensation? Is it, like, is it like a rumbling in my gut? Like, how do I know where and when and how the Holy Spirit is leading me? Listen, this is what Jesus himself said. Hopefully this will break down some of the confusion of how we view the Holy Spirit. We think of the Holy Spirit as like the weird, crazy uncle in the Trinity, Father, Son, and then Holy Spirit who like does weird things. But the Holy Spirit's not there to make things crazy. He's actually there to point to order. And to give us a glimpse of what Jesus is all about. So here's, this is what Jesus himself says about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit, this is John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Listen, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And you may have grown up, you're like, man, I thought the Holy Spirit was like the guy who makes worship services weird. No, the Holy Spirit is the one who says, who helps bring to remembrance all that is true about Jesus in your life. So here's how the Holy Spirit works. He brings to your remembrance the truth that you have heard about Jesus and the life that God has for you. So every time you come to worship, so right now, Every time you come to worship or every time you go to a growth group and you hear the truth of Christ spoken and taught or sung or when you have a conversation with a Christian friend and they speak the truth of the gospel into your life, every time you open the scriptures with your morning coffee and you read about Jesus and his teaching and his life and his death and his resurrection, those things, when you do this, those things are then deposited into your heart and your soul and your mind. And then what the Holy Spirit does is when you need that truth or that word from God or that insight or that direction, the Holy Spirit then pulls that out of the reservoir of your soul and he brings to remembrance all that you have learned about God, all that you have learned about Jesus, and he brings it to your mind so that you can know the way to walk. And you can follow him on the path to life and he will lead you and he will light your way onto the life that he has for you. And so just as an aside, some of you are like, man, you know, I've tried to do the morning Bible scripture reading thing and I just, man, I don't feel the fire. Trust the Holy Spirit. There will be days where you open up the scriptures, or there'll be days where you come to church and you're like, man, I'm just not feeling it today. But pay attention, 
be present, and what happens is God will often speak things into your life that you're like, what does this mean for me right now? But it, he'll put that in there, and there will come a day where you need it, and the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance all that Jesus has taught. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is not there to draw attention to himself. He's there to draw attention to Jesus and to glorify the Father. And when the Holy Spirit brings those things into remembrance, you remember the way of Jesus and you walk in the way of Jesus. That's what he does. And you say, well, man, I, okay, I get that, but, you know, I need God to light my path. And I don't feel like I can see the life that God has for me. I, I feel I need God to show me what the next year is going to look like for me. And you're like, I feel like I don't get that much. I, I, just, I, I feel like he only shows me like a few steps ahead in front of me. I feel like the light he's shining is too dim. I love what Henry Nouwen said, and many of us can relate to this. He said, you can't always see the whole path ahead, but there's usually enough light ahead to take the next step and to trust God's guidance in the moment. Christ is with you, and he will guide you. And the final thing, Jesus will shine through you. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will say to his followers, he says to, to his disciples, he says, you are the light of the world. And, you know, you, you read that and you go, well, is Jesus contradicting himself? I thought he said he was the light of the world. Now he's saying they're the light of the world. Which one is it, Jesus? It's actually not a contradiction. It's Jesus laying out his strategy for how he will spread his light into the world. He is the light. He gives his followers his light so that you and I can take it and light up the darkness all around us. In fact, after Jesus gave light to Israel in the wilderness, he commanded them, he proclaimed over them, he said, you will be a light to the nations. Just as I have shined on you, God said to the people in Israel, you will shine on the rest of the world. This is your purpose, is to take the light, to sit in the light, to be lit up by the light of Christ, and to take the light of Christ into the darkness. Many of us, we curse the darkness. We hate the darkness. We hide from the darkness. We're afraid from the darkness. We kick and scream against the darkness, and we do everything we can do to avoid the darkness in our lives and to keep our children from the darkness in the world. But I love what Kevin Queen, a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, says. He says, as Christians, our job is not to curse the darkness or to run from it, but to walk into the darkness carrying the light. So when you've got some woman in your building and her life is full of darkness and it feels like, man, she's just been hit with bad circumstance after bad circumstance after bad circumstance, as a follower of Jesus, you ought to look into her circumstance and go, gosh, she is walking in a whole lot of darkness. I am going to shine light into her darkness. That is what we do as followers of Jesus. He has given us the light and we then take his light into the world. My, uh, my watch right here, it's not an impressive watch. It's a Seiko 5. You know, you can get it on Amazon for like 100 bucks. But the hands on this watch glow in the dark. And my, little, my daughters think it's great. I showed it to them the other day. I said, look, as I was putting them to bed, they could see the hands on my watch lighting up. And what's funny is I can't just show it to them at any time and, it, and the hands light up. And what do you have to do? You have to put it in the light. And so I will show them, I'll shine their little flashlight, their nightlight on my watch for about 15, 20 seconds. And then we turn out all the lights and they see, they can see all the way across the room what time it is. This is the calling of the Christian life, is to sit in the light. 
so that we can then walk into the darkness and shine the light of Christ to the world. There's darkness all around us. I don't have to convince you of that, but as followers of Jesus, we're not afraid of the darkness. We follow the light of the world. Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, whether you're watching with us online, whether you're here in the room with us this afternoon, you can walk in the darkness if you want to. You can. You have that choice. But you don't have to. You do not have to walk in the darkness any longer. You can stand in the light of Jesus who is with you in the darkness and he guides you in the darkness and he will shine through you in the darkness and you can walk in the light. Just as my counselor reminds me every time we meet every month, Will, this light is here to remind you that Christ is with you, that he is guiding you, and that he wants to shine through you. Jesus is the light of the world, and he wants to do all those things in your life. Let me pray for you, Crossroads. God, your word says that with you there is no darkness. Your character has no shadows, and you are pure and you are good. Yet in our broken world, we see so much darkness around us. There's pain, there's sickness, and disease. All these things are in our community and in many of our homes. So God, we ask that you would bring your light and restoring presence to the dark places in our lives. Bring your hope to those who feel defeated. Bring your love and compassion to those in pain. Show us glimpses of your presence with us this afternoon and the comfort that you bring. In the busyness of today, would you help us to take a moment to be still and sit with you, to slow down and release our burdens to your strong and mighty hand, you are trustworthy, good, and true, and we thank you for caring for us so deeply. Open our eyes to see you at work today, and give us your light. In Jesus' name, amen.